you want your guests to be relaxed and you, you want them to feel you're just sitting around the fire, you know, having a glass of wine, sitting in front of the fire, having a chat. And you, you want them to come off that call and when, when you stop recording and you say goodbye afterwards and you want them to, to say, wow, I, didn't, I forgot we were recording. That's what I want them to say. Welcome to Podcasting Smarter, the podcast for and by podcasters. We interview podcasters for the real scoop on podcasting. Whether you're thinking about starting a podcast or have been podcasting for years, you'll find lots of inspiration, valuable lessons, and tips in our interviews. This podcast is brought to you by Podbean. Please visit podbean.com, the home for podcasters. Hello, podcast friends, and welcome back to Podcasting Smarter. Today, I am pleased to introduce you to Chris Stafford, who is the president and CEO of Wisp Sports Incorporated, which was formed in 2015. Chris is a veteran sports broadcaster and journalist with more than 40 years experience covering international sports and has reported on the Olympic Games, World and European Championships, and World Cups. Chris leads a team of women from around the world that produce and host 25 and growing different podcasts, reaching a global audience with more than 760 episodes covering all women's sports and topics. Thanks for joining me on Podcasting Smarter today, Chris. Well, thank you for having me, Jennifer. That was a long intro, well-deserved, uh, longer than a lot of my intros. You are so accomplished in so many ways, and I can't wait to hear and learn more about WISP sports. Now, do you call it WISP or do you do W-I-S-P? I should have asked you that before we started recording. <laughs> well, we typically say WISP sports, yes. Okay. Well, I I've been listening to some of your, your episodes and I did hear somebody uh, call WISP sports that way and, and they didn't spell it out. So I thought I was pretty safe, but I thought I should just double check. So well, how did this... How did this start? How did this whole um, podcasting network for women in sports begin? Well, I had been, as you say, I've been in the media a long time and various aspects of the media. And when podcasting started, I began my podcasting involvement on another network, hosting a few shows. And then in 2012, I think it was, I switched to having my own network of, uh, of, of shows based on the sport that I had been, uh, that had been my first career, which was equestrian sport. And this audience built up quite fast, in fact, because I was covering all aspects of equestrian sport. There are various disciplines. But then it got past the London Olympic Games, and I, and I thought to myself, well, now is a good time to try extending this to more sports. There was an increase in interest and engagement in women's sports and I thought okay I could carry on talking about equestrian sports for the rest of my life but I have an interest in so many women's sports and now is a good time to actually be extending the the variety of shows that we do to cover all sports for all women worldwide so that's how it started I, I ran a few pilot episodes to see if the audience that I had would come with me and they did and uh, We've tripled the audience now in terms of global impressions. And as you say, we're up to now 30 shows. We have 20 hosts worldwide uh, covering a whole range of sports. And we're continuing to grow I mean, literally daily. And uh, I think it's fair to say now that we are the world's largest podcast network for women's sports. That's so impressive. But 
I'm, I'm just curious. I understand how it started and I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, your website now, the wispsports.com website and there's so much there. It's an incredible amount of high quality content. So I'm kind of wondering what the middle looked like. How did you find your team? How did you select, um, the shows you were going to do? Um, how did, how did that all develop? Well, it grew organically, really. I was recognizing the sports which were popular that had the widest reach without going after the mainstream sports. And for example, NFL, you know, uh, football, American football, golf, tennis, they are already well serviced, I think, by the mainstream media. So I wanted to extend it to just to the start of the fringes of that, you know, the sports like cycling and uh, equestrian sport was there, of course, and triathlon. These have a wider audience already. And and I've always maintained that, you know, there are world championship world champions in all sports and they just don't get their story heard. So it was a st the start of the ripple in the pond effect. I looked at them, those sports which are hugely popular, have huge followings, but didn't have a podcast that would be as global as we could provide. There might be, as you know, uh, there are many and an increasing number of individual podcasts that are sports specific, topic specific or regional. But by choosing those and finding the athletes to host them, these would be athletes who may be coming up to retirement in their sport, want to get into the media or, or maybe in their sport and wanting to just do something else. They wanted to, you know, be, be get involved in, in, in the media in some way, but they hadn't given up on their career at that point. So there was a nice combination of athletes there that we were recognizing. And not least of all, because we would find them, they would come on a show and, you know, we'd get that conversation going and I'd like their voice particularly. And, and I, it was a matter of recognizing that there was potential talent as well in terms of hosting podcasts. Uh, and 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 finding the right sports. So it was a combination, really, and we've grown in that way in developing the shows that we've now produced in so many different sports and topics. So you would have somebody on a podcast to be interviewed, but you were also scouting for talent at the same time. <laughs> it sounds like. <laughs> it, yeah, yes, yes, absolutely. I never miss an opportunity for for growth and and. <laughs> expansion in, in the right way you know because you can recognize the talent and and the timing may be wrong and they may be thinking well no i'm not uh, i'm not retired from my sport yet i'm not really interested in going into the media but it, you, it's just opportunity as well the right person comes along and creates that opportunity and how do you develop that talent because i imagine that some of them probably had never done a podcast before and you know, there's there's a lot that goes into a podcast. There's it's a huge commitment in terms of coming up with content and a production schedule and putting out a, a quality show. So, are you hands on with that development, or have you just been fortunate to get people that kind of know what they're doing? I pretty much do all of it. Actually, I'm I oh. describe myself as the narrow end of the funnel, and because I manage <laughs> these uh, these women around the world and in terms of their scheduling to record and there's a couple of them that actually do record the interviews for example and they'll record the show but they'll send me the file and then i'll produce it all the post-production on it 
but for the most part, I'm scheduling it with them uh, wherever they are, whatever time zone. So it, it's quite a juggling act because we have so many shows. We're averaging now but five shows a week. So that's a lot of production and a lot of time managed, good time management, really, because we're on so many different uh, time zones as well. So this sounds like this must be a full-time occupation for you. It is. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah. And we're part yeah, and of it. We have co-production. Right. And what's interesting is that as we've grown, we're also, uh, ha we also have now co-productions with Ski Racing Media, for example, who um, produce, together we produce a bi-weekly skiing show. And the Fab Podcast, which is Females in Athletics Business, they're a relatively new group of young women um, who are talking about all the aspects of business, uh, of women coming into the sports business. And that's a monthly podcast. So that's a co-production as well. And, and that helps us find sponsorship for, for these shows. So it, it's growing in different ways. I also host uh, um, podcasts for governing bodies of sports as well, too. So we have quite a variety and a, a variety in terms of format and segments and frequency and, and variety of topics, of course, and sports. Wow. So you mentioned sponsors and you probably know that every podcaster out there is so curious about monetizing their shows and how to do it. And it sounds like you have done that. Um, and I imagine in your case, it must be a pretty... Um, natural fit between you and a lot of your sponsors uh, anywhere anything from sports nutrition sports gear um particularly since you're so niched down with the types of sports you covered was that an easy um an easy accomplishment getting sponsors well the, the honest answer to that jennifer is that we're only just starting to monetize the podcasts we okay we decided that the website we established the website two years ago when I extended the podcast to other sports. And we wanted to really establish the content and make that website really robust in terms of the content. And we know that many of our listeners don't go to the website to listen to the podcast. They're listening uh, on their mobile devices, as we know, on their podcast players. But in terms of sponsorship, we wanted to be able to offer sponsors something really robust. And they're going to be looking at website numbers as well as, of course, the downloads, the the, the feeds and the, the, the impressions that we're getting with the podcast. So it's uh, it's been a very slow and organic process. I didn't want to jump into that. Uh, I wanted to be able to offer them something really substantial. So we're only just starting to sell sponsorship. Last year was our first year uh, where we started to get sponsorship and we're actually going into our third year starting in two weeks time we'll reach uh, at the end of our second year in business so as we begin year two we're looking at different marketing strategies for for monetizing the podcasts and we have several ideas we're going to do some crowdfunding as well to, to develop seed money of course we all know that social media is hugely important so we have to increase our numbers there as well so you know it's a slow rolling ball no pun yeah. intended <laughs> <laughs> no it is well everything that you said it makes it seem very intentional and methodical so i'm curious did you start do you have a business plan yes by any chance okay it sound i 
thought you might have a business plan because you sound so well thought out in sort of the the past, present, and future of the network. Sounds like you have a definite path that you're that you're on. Yeah, I th I'd like to think so, and we we have a strategy and and. And some of these things, of course, it's shifting sand. We we do see new opportunities. We do have to move with the times and the trends and the reactions and responses we're getting from the audiences too, and the opportunities that are coming our way, opportunities that we didn't see. So it is evolving constantly. So it you know nothing is absolutely cast in stone. It it can't be. And I think we've what we've seen in the podcasting world is that has moved. That world has moved far fast and forward so fast it's incredible how the podcasting world has developed as, as you well know jennifer and i think it's a matter of keeping up with with the apps with the technology with the times and with the audience response and not least of all in the world of women's sports because so much is trending right now when it comes to gender equality and women's empowerment it seems to be that the time is now for women in sport and having a robust platform that we we are here uh, to stay. We want to produce something that is sustainable and and is going to have legs for a long time. So the growth may be slow, and sometimes I get impatient. <laughs> you know, I know mm -hmm. that's a I know that's a, a a problem. Sometimes I look at how much potential there is, and how I would like to wake up in the morning and have an, a show for every sport. But I know that's not going to happen. Yeah, it's got it's, it's got to be so hard to be patient sometimes, especially when you you see so many great things happening and so much momentum. I was wondering, you mentioned that there are opportunities that have arisen that you weren't expecting, and I was wondering if if there's um, if you can give me an example of one of those. Well, I think in terms of the opportunities, um, you watch the trends in sport and the opportunities of people coming your way that. You, you know, you didn't go out looking for, they are coming to you and are presenting an opportunity. Uh, I think there's so many aspects of what we're doing that you have to ha really have eyes in the back of your head because something can be, you know, creeping up on you. If you don't, you know, keep your antenna out, you'll miss an opportunity. And, uh, you know, and, and also in terms of the, the co-productions that we're developing now and and hosting podcasts for governing bodies of sports and things like that that you know that happened um, actually that started before i started wisp to expand wisp but it clearly demonstrates that the the podcast world is growing and there's more interest in it every day in fact yesterday i had a request another request to to produce another podcast for an organization we've got another one and two coming up next month that's uh, partnering with us so I think the more visible you become and, and more robust you become and reliable, I think that's also that trustworthiness is giving a voice, a safe voice to women in sport as well, a safe environment. environment. And, and with that, over time comes credibility as you establish yourself. But it does take time to get that street cred and, uh, and you know, offer the services that people want even if you think they want them, you have to shift with the demand. Yeah, that's that's very good advice. And you mentioned that the podcasting world is you know ever changing, and it's changed so much in such a a short period of time. And one of those 
changes. It has to do with women in podcasting because in the early days, it was very um, white male dominant. And um, one of the greatest changes, I think, is that we're seeing more and more diverse voices behind the mic. Um, but I don't know that it's as... Uh, there's as much equality as we'd like to see. So I'm wondering if you have your own perspective on that in terms of do, do we need more women's voices in podcasting? Are we still, are we still lacking in that arena? Well, from my observations, I've seen a steady increase. I think the, the short answer would be yes, we do, Jennifer. But I think we are seeing more women get confident and step up to the microphone, realize that it is a very relatively easy vehicle for them to have a voice. And if they can co-host with someone, it will give them confidence to do that too. It makes it that much easier if there's a co-host if you're starting out. So I think there's a lot of, lot of things that are shifting now as, as we see part of this sort of bigger global um, culture of women's empowerment, if you like, and it, it's spreading across all areas of society. So I, I think we're seeing the change. We're seeing certainly in the sports world, in, in women's sports particularly, there are more individual podcasts popping up left and right. And, you know, we're putting our arms around them. We have them on our shows and we go on their shows because I think together we, we raise the tide for everyone. Uh, so certainly in our world, in sport, it is happening. But it is very, very slow, I think, in terms of relative numbers to the m number of male hosts. Yeah, we're making up for lost time, for sure. And that it's, uh, it is to talk about being impatient. <laughs> I wish we just moved that along a little faster. Um, so in being that you started an all-women's sports network, and, and I feel like you started that with a really great sense of purpose, was there a moment when you knew that what you were doing was making a difference? I don't know if it was one particular moment. It, it, it continues to drip. It's at what I call that drip effect, Jennifer. It's, mm -hmm. you, you know, you, you get the reactions from social media. Just now, a few moments ago, I got a really nice reaction from uh, a post that we put on Twitter. And, and you start to realize that people are taking notice of what you're doing. And, uh, and so I think it's not necessarily one particular moment in time. It's like the evolution of any business. It's that drip, 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 drip effect. It's being continually present, continually aware of what's happening in, in your environment and in the world that you're in which you're operating, in our case, women's sports, and watching what other people are doing. And responding to that as well, not just being proactive, but being reactive. You've got to think, I think, see both sides of the coin and, mm -hmm. and just be out there, be very present and continually active. And you will see that those moments are happening and they're happening pretty consistently if you stay consistent with your message. Yeah, those social media moments can really keep you going if you've you've had a bad day. All it takes is one positive comment, one nice email, and it kind of pulls you back, pulls everything back into perspective for you if you happen to have a bad day or a bad week. Um, so I was wondering, in terms of social media, I know you use it, and I know that's something that you're going to continue to use. Is So far, is there one social media platform that seems to to work better for you than the others? Well, right now we're seeing Twitter has, you know, and that's 
actually always been the case that Twitter has been the best platform for us. Interestingly, though, I mean, we we are relatively slow to start with Instagram. We only really got going in halfway through the year last year with Instagram, and that's still proving very slow for us. Uh, Facebook, very slow in terms of the co comments. I mean, we do sometimes pay to boost some of the content, but of course they've now changed their algorithm. So that's really, that really is a very fluid platform for, if I think anyone right now, but particularly Twitter is where we will get the conversations going. The response is the engagement. I hear that a lot from podcasters that, that Twitter is their go-to platform, that that's where they, they get more listeners, they connect with other podcasters, they're having the, the conversation. So, um, that's interesting that you're experiencing the exact same thing. Yeah, it, it is interesting when you hear other people say, oh, no, Twitter is for a certain generation and it's it's not mm -hmm. engaging. It's not working. You know, you have to be using Instagram. Now it's all about images or Facebook Live. I mean, everyone has you know platforms that work best for them. And LinkedIn, of course, is critically important. And we're working harder to to build our LinkedIn audience because they uh, right there, that community is the one that will connect us business to business. So we're really focusing on that. Uh, but in terms of what is leading us right now and giving us the most response, the best engagement, it definitely is Twitter. How do you organize your social media? Because I know you have um, social media um, platforms for WISP sports, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, as you mentioned. But then in terms of the individual shows, do you do you uh, start individual um, social media accounts for your shows too, or do you keep it all under one umbrella, and nice and clean? The latter, Jennifer. I mean, that has crossed our mind over time that that each show should have its own platform. I'm not saying we would rule that out in the future. There may be a time when that might work for us, and there may be certain shows it would work better for us. Right now, I've chosen to stick with the one. Uh, account, not least of all because of the resources and capacity here and the, the managing of social media, because it's it's a major headache every day, as you know, <laughs> to manage <laughs> well, it all. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, because I, I couldn't imagine uh, managing a social a social media accounts for all of your different shows. I would I don't even know when you would be able to sleep. Well, that is the problem, and we do use Buffer to schedule, you know, Twitter. Um, but we do post individually to Facebook and individually to LinkedIn and to Instagram. Um, you know, the advice that we've sought um, advises against uh, link. You know, sharing the same uh, post to to two different accounts, like uh, from Buffer to Twitter and Instagram. Right for some reason so we're that makes more work for us of course but yes right now we feel it's important and we can use the different platforms for different messagings okay so i'm wondering it's i we, we've established you spend a lot of time but maybe we can be more specific i was wondering how much time and money do you need to invest in your network on a monthly basis well, that's that's a big question, and I, <laughs> and I, I'm not sure you have too many guests on your show that will will tell you exactly what they're spending on it in terms of time and investment. Uh, yeah, it is absolutely a full time job. 
now because mm-hmm. WISP is, is a little bit more than the podcast because we have the website and we maintain the website in terms of content. Not only the show notes go on there and the players go on there, uh, but also we have blogs, we have videos and articles. So there's a lot more to service through the website. Uh, so it, it, in, in, in essence, it really is very much, you know, can be a 12-hour day uh, very easily and you know, as much as I have the energy to, to do it because I have to be responsive to all of the women that are contributing around the world and I really have to be on call for them at any time. Oh, wow. So do you have any additional um, team members to help with the social media, with the, the troubleshooting, um, or is it just you and your many hosts? I'm in the one-woman show right now. And the host, <laughs> I'm so yeah, yeah, I am very much a one-woman show. We've had interns, and we're always open to uh, having interns join us and help with social media or any aspect of production, because it is an opportunity to get into sports journalism. But right now, in terms of uh, you know our resources, yeah, I am the the narrow end of the funnel. Uh, so yeah, it, it's uh, it's it's all on me. And if if there's a mistake, then it's on me too. Well, I'm glad I asked that question, um, and I, I'm glad I got a little nosy about the time and the money, only because I talk to a lot of podcasters, and a lot of them have dreams of of starting their own podcast network. And I think you're you're giving a, a really accurate um, portrayal of what it's like to run a thriving network, and it's it's a lot of work. And uh, you know, it, I think it's it's best to know that up front, probably. <laughs> Yeah, I think you have to be realistic. You know, people look at podcasts and think, oh, I could do a, like a weekly show, even bi-weekly or even a weekly show. And, and you know, they know their subjects. They're confident enough to step up to the microphone. They'll learn the tools of the trade and, and off they go. But it is time consuming. And a lot of these people have, uh, you know, full-time jobs and they might do it in their spare time, which is great because it all adds to the voice of coverage of, of women's sports, particularly. And I, I think they find out as they go that it is very time-consuming. I know the the women that, that give so generously of their time to us at with sports here. You know, I don't. I try not to trouble them any other time um, except around you know when to expect the next episode, getting it on the schedule, helping them with any interview scheduling and and that sort of thing. Uh, because I'm very mindful of their time and they're doing this because they love sport, women's sports particularly, and um, they want to get into media. Right. I, I guess there's a lot of passion, you know, a lot of passion. in your network. Yeah. Very much so, yes. So along the way in this journey that started back in 2015, did you have any um, pivotal mistakes that you look back and that you really learn from? <laughs> well, I actually started <laughs> podcasting in 2009, 2008 or 2009, I think it was. And so uh, along the way, and I'm sure everyone will find this, if you do it long enough, you're going to lose a file or you're going to forget to turn on the microphone or you're going to lose your connection. And that's really, really frustrating. Um, and, you, you know, you'll make those mistakes. I think anyone coming into it will make those mistakes. But it really is important to have, you know, your homework, know your subject, really know your subject. And 
And the important thing about knowing your subject, I find, when you're talking to guests, is the guests want to be able to trust you, that you do know what you're talking about, that you can engage in a meaningful conversation, and there were no gotcha moments. You're not going to ask them anything that they can't answer. And a lot of people ask me, should, should you be scripted? Can you send me the questions? I'm never scripted. I'll have bullet points. I'll have things in my head that I know I want to ask them. But I never actually submit any questions because the conversation I like to be organic. It's not like broadcasting. I've done broadcasting where you're constrained by broadcasting schedules and, and production and, and all the rest of it. But with podcasting, it can be organic and it can be a natural conversation. And, and that's important to me that it evolves and it might change direction. As you know yourself, Jennifer, when you're hosting, it's not always the script that you have in front of you. It becomes something else because you have to listen as much as you're talking because you'll be yeah, presented with true. questions. You'll be presented with, with uh, the, the responses and the things in those responses. You think, oh, my goodness, I'd love to know more about that. Oh, I haven't realized that they did such and such. And, and off you can go. It can take a different course. Um, but ultimately, don't forget the arc of that conversation the arc of the conversation whenever you're recording there's a start there's an arc and there's a finish to it so you have to be very flexible and it, I, this is a long way of answering your question i'm not sure i actually did did i well i i think you did and i i loved your answer even if you didn't because it it reminded me of what you said earlier when you said you have to be always aware and um, looking for opportunities. I think it's the same in conversation. If you're scripted, then you you close those doors on those many opportunities you might have of going down or a, a nice rabbit hole of a conversation. Um, so I, I completely agree with you there. Um, there. I guess there's a place for scripted podcasts, but I, I do like a more organic conversation myself. Yeah, and I think the audience appreciates that too because you want your guests to be relaxed and you, you want them to feel you're just sitting around the fire, you know, having a glass of wine, sitting in front of the fire, having a chat. And yeah. you, you want them to come off that call and when, when you stop recording and you say goodbye afterwards and you want them to, to say, wow, I, didn't, I forgot we were recording. That's what I want them to say. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a great response. I forgot we were recording. It's a very good sign of a good conversation. So can you tell us, um, what are you looking forward to most um, in the future of the WISP network? The expansion of the network to really become as much as it possibly can to realize the full potential of covering women's sports. And that means introducing live programming and uh, eventually, I would like to think that we had a po uh, one of our show uh, had a show on the, on the podcast network. There was a show for every sport, so that's really ambitious because there are a lot of sports out there, and some of them are really niche sports. But whatever the sport is, there's always an audience somewhere. There's an audience. There are fans. There are followers. There is family. There are stakeholders and sponsors, and you want to get more media interest. So. I think my, I'm most excited about discovering the next sport and the next host that will host that show and give them the opportunity, give them a voice, an opportunity to step up to the microphone and share the passion that they have for their sports and find the audience that they have and extend it. That to me is exciting. So 
we continue to grow our next phase of funding will hopefully enable us to do live programming so i'd ultimately like to do a live morning show a daily morning show but it is all about resources and capacity so if anyone's listening we are open to <laughs> any sponsorship and support and we are going to have a, actually have a patreon campaign here shortly to keep the lights on basically well, I imagine that's going to be very successful. I can't imagine people not getting behind this. It's such meaningful work and and much needed. I mean, the largest women's sports network. That's so, so impressive. Go oh, ladies. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Jennifer. Thank you. That's very kind. <laughs> All right. So if you can give a new podcaster one piece of advice, what would it be? It would be... A little handful of things, I think, you know, the, I said earlier how you need to really do your research about the content, the, the content that you're planning and look at the competition, be really familiar with the competition that's out there too. And that takes a b quite a bit of research because some of them are hidden away. They may be small niche and developing themselves and be realistic about your expectations and, but, and, and, and understand the topics, know the topics, be sure that you get authoritative guests, really good guests, uh, who can contribute and to the value of your podcast as well. And understand your own personal voice. So there's a few things in there, really, because a lot of people start because they think, oh, they're good talkers, but they may not necessarily understand what broadcasting means if they have not had any background in it. And understand what your voice can do in a day, you know, how it will change with your energy, with your mood, with your, the color of it changes and where it comes from changes. You know, it might start from the diaphragm in the morning and by the high in the afternoon when your energy is, is at its highest, it will go up into your head and coming, coming out of your nose. <laughs> you have to remember to bring your voice down and you have to understand what your voice is capable of and where you want to be true to your voice, true to yourself and your personality. And if you put your arms around all of those things, that will be the personality of your podcast. Wow, that's such great advice and unique advice. I don't think we've had that particular piece of advice about knowing your voice, not just outside of your body, but inside your, your body. That's so excellent. Um, so I have a couple of fun questions if you're up for them. Go for um, it, Jennifer. I, okay, okay. Um, if there was a podcast about your life, what would it be called? She tried. <laughs> she tried. I love it. <laughs> I would totally listen. And the second question is, if you could choose anyone, living or dead, to have a podcast, who is your fantasy podcaster? Oh my, this, you're springing this on me, Jen. I know, um, I know, I know. My goodness, there are so many people. Uh, I know. That, oh, oh I, I don't know if I have an immediate answer. We're going to run out of time before I come up with really good <laughs> names because there are so many, uh, especially sportsmen and women, you know, and mm -hmm. just so many that... I would love to have a conversation. I mean, it could be Na Martina Navratilova, for example, because yes. she's a very well-rounded person. She has views on so many things. That would be a very engaging podcast. Um, but, but, you know, there, there's, there are just, 
there are just so many superstars and uh, you know when i think of movie stars that i've enjoyed and and i'd always always wanted to meet uh, that I think would be really, really interesting. Um, but I'm going to be showing my age if I mention some names there, so I won't go there. I'll leave it with Martina. <laughs> okay, well, Martina's an excellent, excellent answer. And I so appreciate you sharing so much of your experience growing this network and your wisdom as a podcaster. It's so valuable. And the people that listen to this podcast are just trying to be better podcasters. So the fact that you're willing to to share as much as you did so generously is um, we're all very grateful. Well, it's been my pleasure. I appreciate you having me on your show, Jennifer. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. And good luck with growing the WISP network. I cannot wait to see what, uh, what happens in the months and years to come. Thank you. Stay tuned. WISP Sports Radio on any podcast player. Thanks to Podbean. That's right. Thank you so much. You bet. Thanks for joining us for Podcasting Smarter. You can check our show notes at podcast.podbean.com for links and details. Please like our podcast, leave your comments, and help us spread the word to other podcasters so we can bring you more great episodes with podcasting tips and inspiration from fellow podcasters. If you want to connect with other podcasters or get interviewed on this podcast, please join our Podcasting Smarter Facebook group. We look forward to welcoming you to the community. Happy podcasting.